Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, where we teach Christian entrepreneurs how to build a strong foundation of faith, growth, and skill to lead and thrive on purpose in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, certified coaches, Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. This is episode 14 and it's part two of our two-part series on the Law of Attraction, which is titled, The Law of Attraction, Is It for Christians? And don't listen to this episode unless you have listened to part one. So if you have not listened to part one, just go to thrivingonpurposepodcast.com and listen to episode 13, which is... Uh, the, the first part of this two-part series because you might be a little bit of a, at a loss if you start listening today. So this re- we really build up to it in part one and we continue in part two. So also we want to give a shout out to, uh, well, first of all, all of our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being there. We really appreciate you. We really appreciate your feedback. This is awesome. And uh, we just love the fact that we're being listened to all over the world. Uh, we have a huge a number of people in Ukraine. Yeah, and welcome. <laughs> so yeah, welcome to our, our, all of our listeners in Ukraine and still Pittsburgh. We mentioned them uh, a few podcasts uh, ago. Uh, a big, big uh, number of listeners in Pittsburgh as well. So a big shout out to you guys as well. Uh, anyway, uh, whoever you are, wherever you are, just thanks for listening to this uh, podcast and we really appreciate you. So without any further ado, we will now delve, me and Elizabeth, because Elizabeth is right there. Yes, <laughs> I'm here. I, for, I forgot to introduce her, but <laughs> she's right there. So we're just going to dive right in for this part two. Exactly. So in the first episode on the law of attraction, uh, we looked mainly at where the law is aligned with scriptures and Christian doctrine. So today we will look where its teachings go wrong, okay? And I know maybe some of you kind of say, well, I know where, you know, New Agers and people go wrong in this, but I really encourage you to listen to this because we're going to bring out a lot of points that you probably haven't heard. So we will look at where the New Age has it wrong in its understanding and application of the law. And as a result, many are severely misled in using the law in their lives. And in the end, they are led away from God, who created everything they worship, right? Yeah. So we'll also look at how it should be applied into the life of the believer, so in the life of the Christian. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned to listen to that. You're going to learn a lot. So where do the teachers of the law of attraction go wrong, Sebastian? Yeah, well, like, like we saw in the first episode, there's a lot of things that are, are very scripturally uh, true about the law of attraction. And the main problem lies where the way it's taught, really. Um, so although there are some lots of parts of it that make very good sense, and Christians will find the law of attraction that works for them, here's where the law of attraction teachers or proponents are in deep, deep error. Okay? And as Christians, these beliefs should not be part of a philosophy. So number one, they ask the wrong person. Practitioners of the law of attraction believe that when they ask, the universe hears them. You've probably heard that a lot. It's in the vernacular of all over the place in personal growth. 
the, the may the universe send you this or may the universe uh, hear your prayer or whatever yeah and, and, and they use the universe all the time so they believe the universe is sentient and they believe the universe sees their thoughts and hears their words so from the vernacular of the uh, used by new agers the universe is pretty much in the place of god which is a huge mistake so here's the thing god loves you the bible tells you so but pardon my french the universe doesn't give a crap about you okay so let's just make that clear <laughs> the universe is a created thing it is not sentient so by asking the universe they are practicing idolatry and worshiping creation rather than the creator uh, solomon said there's nothing new under the sun well even if they call themselves new agers there is nothing new in their beliefs our ancestors used to worship the sun or the earth or uh, well now it's the universe so take your pick right right that always kind of got me mad every time i would see uh, somebody struggling with something or i don't know he you know the person would lose a family member and everybody's like oh i'm gonna send prayers to the universe or i'm gonna you know send uh positive light or whatever your way <laughs> i was just like seriously like you'll really like find anything you can think of just they not to say anything but god <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it always just mind boggles me how people just want to find any other word than thanking god or praying to god in in times of trouble or whatever yeah. anyhow so that brings us to number two so they put their faith in the wrong person so while practitioners of the law of attraction do have faith it is severely misplaced faith okay so they may be sincere but they are sincerely wrong new agers put their faith in their own power they believe in themselves the created order and the universe to obtain their wishes through the law of attraction so they're kind of creating like a, a god with themselves right so romans 125 says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Amen, indeed. In 2 Timothy 3, 5-7, it says, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who warm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. I love that passage because see the part where it says always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. I've seen so many personal growth teachers out there. They have libraries full of books. Mm -hmm. They have knowledge galore, okay? Yeah. But they know not God this is who this verse is about and yet these people are uh, put on a pedestal uh, as our teachers and, and they are very knowledgeable but they know not God so they're always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth and Jesus said I am the truth the way and the life so basically they never come to know God or Jesus Christ right so that's very important and you know a lot of people that do join uh, New Age and uh, I've seen a lot of women uh, embrace this because they're searching they're searching for God and they don't know like they know about some of them do know about God but from a religious point of view of you know some kind of religion that their grandparents practice and they have no idea what it's all about and you know 
people don't really experience God and have a real relationship with him. And I think that a lot of people are, you know, searching through the spiritual yeah, way there's, there's of, definitely a of understanding. Yeah. yeah, definitely a search. Uh, so we can commend them for that. But the problem is that they're being led astray, right? Exactly. Um, and they're missing a lot of pieces of the puzzle. And you mentioned the women. And in the passage you read, there's it, it talks about gullible women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote a blog post not too long ago about the New Age. It is titled, if you guys want to go check it out on our homepage at, at thrivingonpurpose.com, just click on blog. And I think it's one of the first ones that's going to show up. It says, Christians and the New Age Deception. In that blog, I mentioned that, interestingly... Two-thirds of New Age believers and practitioners are women. And most of the Law of Attraction adherents are women. I've heard many, many, many women talk that way, use that vernacular a lot. And in the previous verse, Paul calls them gullible women. It's not flattering, I know, but it's it's out there, it's true. Uh, So while those who attend the church of Oprah and Chopra do have faith. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about, Oprah Winfrey and Deepak Chopra, <laughs> the church yeah. of Oprah and Chopra. They do have faith, but it's not in the God of the Bible. And it's kind of understandable because they follow people who do not have faith in the God of the Bible either. Right. right? So, you see, they believe and are taught to believe in their own Godhood. A lot of uh, Law of Attraction practitioners and New Agers believe that they are divinity in the making. They believe they are part of God because they believe that everything is a part of God. And they tell themselves, they reason, well, if everything is a part of God and I'm part of everything, guess what? I'm part of God and therefore I am God. Mm -hmm. So they bought the same old lie from the Garden of Eden. It's just packaged differently. Right. You shall be like God's. So New Agers believe themselves to be gods in the making. It's, it's a prevalent part of their philosophy. And of course, this belief in self-godhood and the universe is misplaced faith in the first order. Right. So that brings us to number three. They have the wrong motive. So can you expand on that? Sure. They have the wrong motive basically says it all. I mean, oftentimes practitioners of the law of attraction would rather be reservoir than a flowing river. Let me explain this, okay? They want to obtain more. They want to be greater in the eyes of men. They want to have more, etc. And that's not inherently a bad thing. I mean, as believers, we should always aim to become more. And also, if we can obtain more, if, we, if it is within our capacity, we should always aim to increase our capacity, right? And if with that comes more material possessions or blessings or money, that's fine. But the motive is very important here. And in the scriptures, as believers, what are we taught to do? Well, we are taught to give of ourselves, lose our life in order to gain it, give freely without thoughts of receiving, humble ourselves to be exalted. And it's also said in scriptures that the first shall be last and the last first, etc., So the Bible teaches us to be a flowing river and not a reservoir. So that means that we are to be uh, conduits through which God pours himself into us and the outflowing goes out to others. In John chapter 7 verses 37 to 39 we read this. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, 
Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So basically it says here that believers who are endowed, filled with the Holy Spirit, are to be rivers. Rivers of life will flow through them. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is very important. And James chapter 4 verse 3 tells us, so the, the verse says, When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So motive is extremely important. And oftentimes, uh, those who adhere to the law of attraction do so in order to gain material possessions. Strictly that. That's the wrong motive. Believers are not to be reservoirs who accumulate knowledge, wisdom, and wealth. No. We are to be, like I said, conduits through which abundance flows through. We are to be rivers, okay, through which the Holy Spirit of God will enable us to freely give because freely we have received. Exactly. So that brings us to number four, which is they perceive the wrong power source. So the law of attraction gurus and teachers tell us that we need to be thankful at all times, which is very good. However, it is the weirdest thing to listen to who and what they are thankful to. So uh, when they do obtain, they are thankful to life, the universe, the void, hashtag gratitude on social media, never to God. And now, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, hashtag gratitude on social media, but we know that, you know, they're not believers and that this is their lingo. They're thanking the universe basically and finding all kinds of clever hashtag ways to thank him <laughs> they work <laughs> they're hashtags by the way they get a lot of following <laughs> yeah exactly because it's been you know it's it's like an epidemic right it's, hashtag gratitude is it's, that's a good one i've seen that one a lot <laughs> yeah and i think that you know ever since all of this has uh, come to light in the last few years it's been a very clever way that satan's used all of this to take away any merit any any you know anything that can point to uh, God being the a creator. part of anything um, it really basically gives them that sense of faith but in completely nothing basically well it's like it's like that verse uh, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power that's what Paul said mm -hmm. right and that's exactly what many practitioners of uh, the law of attraction of whom many of are new agers that's exactly what they do yeah. they have the appearance of godliness and yet they deny the true power of godliness, which is God. <laughs> yeah, because every being needs to have faith in something. We're made to have faith in God. So there's that void. So a lot of people try to fill that void by, you know, praising Mother Earth and praising the universe because they, they have that need, but they're just doing it towards the wrong uh, the wrong creator. Right? Yeah, and the human being is a, just a parenthesis here. The human being is a very religious being. Yeah, I mean, God made Spiritual, us that way. Yeah. And even those who claim they are atheists, oftentimes they're going to put their faith in science. Mm -hmm. There's even a, uh, a video out there called Scientism Exposed on YouTube if you want to check it out, in which they show that basically those who adhere to science by claiming they are atheists actually have a lot of faith in a lot of things that you need blind faith for right and, and, and they, they put their their whole beliefs and faith in 
stuff that just is completely out there when you really stop and think about it. Right. So as we have seen, every good and perfect gift comes from God. He is the source. He has the power. He provides the blessings. So when we benefit through the law of attraction, it is made possible solely through His power, universal providence, and universal grace. So it's very important that we, that we understand this part. And when we say, just a parenthesis again, when we say universal grace here, okay, or universal providence, it's basically based on that verse where Jesus says that He sends the rain on the just and the unjust, and the sun rises for the just and the unjust. That's universal grace. That's where God gives, makes all men benefit from His creation. Exactly. So when people write hashtag gratitude on social media and it's not aimed at a person, it just means basically happiness. So <laughs> they, they should just write, you know, hashtag happiness. Or I'm happy. Hashtag I'm happy. Yeah. Hashtag whatever they want. But anyway, so that's, uh, <laughs> we all know what we think about that. So, anyway. so what we just said is basically hashtag truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that brings us to number five. They believe in their mantras more than the word of God. Can you expand on this fashion? Sure. Yeah, a mantra originally in Hinduism and Buddhism is a word or sound repeated to aid concentration and meditation. Okay. So it's a very Christian practice, as you can see. Nah, I'm just being facetious. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a statement or slogan also in personal development that, that has been kind of... Um, adapted in personal development a statement or slogan that you repeat frequently so see how subtle it is so a mantra is something that you repeat like a kind of like a prayer and then personal development they're going to go like i am a millionaire i am a millionaire i am a millionaire i am a millionaire because they believe that by repeating that every day uh, i don't know how many times it's going to ingrain themselves in, in it in their subconscious and thus bring them to being a millionaire to uh, believing it yeah there are uh, those for whom it has worked, but they always put a lot of action, a lot of hustle behind their uh, <laughs> their mantras, okay? But as Christians, we are taught when we pray to avoid what Jesus called vain repetitions. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, Jesus says, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. So you see, Jesus is pointing us to the fact that the Father knows all of our needs before we even utter a word. So from that perspective, the believer should avoid vain repetitions just for that simple fact. Right. So if He knows your needs before you even utter a word, how much more when you utter that word and ask Him? will not hear you. Seriously. So the difference between prayer and mantras or repetitions is huge. You know, prayer makes us partakers with God. The, the other way does not. When a believer prays, he connects with his Creator and Father in a very intimate and precious way. So yes, like we saw in the first episode, we need to change our vocabulary where when, when we speak. We need to utter positive words when we talk about ourselves. We need to be careful not to curse ourselves with our tongue like we saw in the first episode. Right. We should use our tongues uh, uh, in a very careful way. Uh, we should use it to bless at all times. However, we do not want to fall in the error of becoming so enamored with our own words that we give them more importance than God's word, which reigns supreme for all eternity. 
okay? So it, those who use mantras, they basically put their own words in the place of God's word, which is a creative word. We, with one word that God utters, you can change the whole course of your life. Okay, so don't, never, never forget that. Yeah, so um, I think it's important that we understand also, you know, we know about the the verse in the Bible that talks about praying unceasingly. Yeah. And so we're, we're taught that, you know, with the verses that we said here, God does know what your needs are, but it's important that you bring them forth to him and talk about them and pray to him regularly. So it's just yes. that we don't want it to be a mantra in the sense of repeating, repeating consecutively, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. But and it that, doesn't mean, difference. yeah, but it doesn't mean you pray once and then say, oh, well, God heard me and it's done and, you know, I'm just going to wait. Yeah. Like we do have to come forth and pray God, to pray to God and, you know, ask him regularly. And persevere in prayer for things that, that we do need or that, that, that we know align with God's will. We need to be persevering for that. We, we don't, don't give up after the first time, but don't use repetitions. Yeah, exactly. You know, make me a millionaire, make me a millionaire, make me a millionaire. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so number six, they can become lazy. In the word attraction, we have the word action. Okay, so I have noticed something crucial about the law of attraction. It will not change your life without action. So most of the gurus who teach it are not idle people. They are action-oriented people. They are doers. Therefore, they have results. And they don't always teach that. Oftentimes, they're going to teach you that you yeah. know, to use a lot of attraction, but, but they won't emphasize the importance of the action. So the, the their followers oftentimes will be led <laughs> in laziness, basically. They're sitting on their couch and just... Yeah, just saying their mantras every day yeah. and doing yoga and whatnot and hoping that whatever it is they're asking for just attracts itself to them. I'm right? sorry, but Deepak Chopra is a very, very active businessman. He travels all over the world giving uh, speeches, writing books, and mm -hmm. he's very active. He's action-oriented individual, okay? He doesn't sit on his couch and materialize books out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's important that we understand that, you know, if you're... If you're wanting, if you're needing something in your life, it's very important that you pray to God and ask Him. And, um, you know, if you're applying the law of attraction, not expecting that not applying action is going to actually get you what you want. It doesn't work that way. You really do have to put a plan in motion and, and take action. So the Bible tells us in James chapter 1, 22, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Okay, so that's very important you remember this verse. This, of course, refers to the Word of God in the life of the believer. But I have seen many Law of Attraction fans, Christians or, or not, who are speakers only and not doers. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of uh, a book signing I once did for my book. And I was sitting at the table and a lady came up to me. And she started to engage in conversation with me. And she said, uh, you know what, I'm going to write a book someday too. And she said to me, she said, I can see it so clearly. I visualize it every day. So I asked her if she had begun writing, and her answer was, no, but it's only a question of time. And that verse reminds me of that. She obviously was deceiving herself. I mean, I don't care how much of a pro you are at visualizing. Nothing's going to happen if you just sit on your couch and visualize all day. Yeah, exactly. So no matter what it is that you want to accomplish, whatever goal that you may have, 
I mean, the law of attraction is not going to work by you, um, you know, just doing mantras and sitting on your couch and visualizing and doing vision boards and just waiting for it to come to, to life because you really do have to have a plan and put that plan into action. So you do have to take steps and make it work. So the law of attraction has value, worth and efficiency only for those who value action. Amen to that. Number seven, the law of attraction denies other forces at play. Now, this is very, very important here. We're going to go down a, a short list of what these other forces at play are, okay? And it's big. So is the law of attraction infallible? No, of course not. It has failed people and does so for different reasons. Obviously, no matter how much you think positive thoughts or visualize your life in a certain way, there are other forces at work that may prevent change to come your way. And they are, number one, God's will for your life. Yes, God's sovereign will trumps man's own dreams, desires, or wants. He is sovereign. He opens doors. He closes them. Ultimately, the law of attraction is in his hands at all times. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, A, man, a man's heart plans his way. But the Lord directs his steps. Okay, so the first one is obviously God. And God can trump the law of attraction any time. Number two, other people's wishes and wills and wants. Liz, could you expand on that? Yeah, so other people may want exactly what you want. Um, be it a house, spouse, or job. They may aim for it as hard as you will. But in the end, only one will get the house, the girl, or the job, right? Mm -hmm. So, yes, other people may very well beat you to it in attracting what you wanted in some cases. Other people's wills and wants may trump the law of attraction in your own life. So, for example, if you're both, if two people that, you know, are very positive and, um, you know, they're applying the law of attraction and they're both... Uh, applying for a certain job and there's only one position and only one person that's going to get it well you know that's where your purpose comes into place yeah. right it's not because you did something wrong it's just that god will open a door where he wants you and and maybe that other person is supposed to be there instead of you yeah. and maybe god has something else for you yeah, that's a good point yeah so we have to keep that into consideration right and the other thing is that dark spiritual forces uh, let's not forget those. For the believer, this may be a huge obstacle in the way of successfully using the law of attraction in your favor. So don't get me wrong. If it is God's will, nothing will stand in, in your way of being ultimately successful. But we have to remember that demons, principalities, and spiritual forces can definitely delay this from happening. Or in some occasions, when God permits, uh, you know, they will block it. Read in Daniel chapter 10 if you want to understand how this may come into play. That will give you a good example. So, you know, the more you're active as a Christian entrepreneur, um, that you're verbal about your, your faith, maybe, uh, you know, your business opens opportunities for you to talk about God and your people are getting saved through your business, through whatever it is that God's told you to do. Maybe you're actively talking about God. 
um, you know, and it maybe is not very obvious in your business, but you do, you're a very, you know, active Christian well, spiritually. That, that may put you on the devil's number one hit list, right? Exactly. So, yeah, we've noticed this for... For ourselves. <laughs> for ourselves very many times. Um, you know, the more verbal, the more you try to uh, stand your ground and show show people that you're a Christ follower um, and you're building your business with God's help. And the more verbal you are about that, the more the enemy tries to, to kick you down. And oftentimes for Christian entrepreneurs, he's going to kick down the mental side of us. So he'll, you know, because, you know, being a Christian entrepreneur or being an entrepreneur is very, very difficult, right? Mm. Um, you're basically the trailblazer. You're uh, leading um, all by yourself with God, obviously, but there's nobody else doing it for you. You're not like in a clear plan of how to do things and you're figuring it out with God's help. So it's a lot easier for the devil to kind of play with your confidence, play with your self-esteem, you know, make you compare yourself to others, uh, maybe even paralyze you with fear uh, to move into action, certain things. You know, there's all kinds of ways that he can affect you. Uh, from a, a mental standpoint so it's important that you really guard yourself and spend time in the word daily and pray to god for for that help in everything that you do because uh, you have to be aware that he is going to try to fight you oh he's going to try to trip you up for sure and i like how you mentioned uh, daniel chapter 10. Uh, if you guys want to read this something interesting read daniel chapter 10 where uh daniel's praying basically for for an answer and, and gabriel is dispatched just to go see him and give him the answer he seeks but he's stopped by the prince i think it's prince of tyre and which is a huge principality demon powerful being of some sort and they engage in a, in a battle and gabriel can't get past that guy hmm. so then michael is dispatched to go help gabriel and he takes care of the the the, the big uh, demon devil whatever so gabriel is is freed to go see daniel with the answer it's a fascinating account but see, in our lives, the same thing. I mean, sometimes we have delays or, or, or just uh, things that just don't happen. And we're like, what happened? You're like, why, why didn't this happen this way or fast enough or whatnot? And if we saw behind the scenes, sometimes I think we'd be, uh, we'd be in shock. We'd pick up right. our jaw off the floor in, in shock of what we just saw. And anyway, it's better that sometimes it's just better we don't see these things. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole other world in the spiritual realm, exactly, that we don't see what's everything that's going on and maybe it's for our best right now <laughs> yeah and, and another thing that that trumps the law of attractions uh, efficiency is fear liz mentioned it and what i like about uh, the law of attraction is one of the greatest benefits for those who employ it in their lives for those who employ it correctly is that it will make them face their fears i mentioned earlier that uh, liz mentioned earlier that action is at the core of the law of attraction and that's very true when properly applied the law of attraction will prompt you out of your comfort zone and the greatest deterrence to the efficiency of the law of attraction is fear. If you fear certain things in your life from happening, good or bad, because sometimes we do fear good things too, then you are stopping yourself from receiving God's blessings for you. Fear is the opposite of faith, as you well know, and receiving is the third step, as we saw in the first episode, in applying the law of attraction successfully. So sometimes we fear basically the thing that's going to come to our lives because we don't feel we're adequate to handle it yet. <laughs> so you may want it, you may say you want it, but deep down you fear it. Yeah, and that's no, gonna that's gonna trump it. 
the more that we verbalize fear, the more we give power to it. Yeah. So, you know, if you're if you're an entrepreneur that's trying to put things into action, you really have to uh, remember that God did not give us a spirit of fear and focus on that and say, you know, God's on my side and I can do this. You know, the more that you try to do things that are new in your business or um, maybe you have a coach and your coach will, you know, bring up things that you need to do for your life or your business that you need to change. It's always kind of scary yeah. to try something new or maybe change a routine or add new things. And uh, the unknown is scary, but we have to remember that God made us strong and that he's on our side and that we are not to be fearful beings because this will actually really hinder you from um, getting going forward for God and building uh, his kingdom, right? So mm. let's remember... Fear has two meanings, okay? So you can either forget everything and run or face everything and rise. Oh, yeah. these both spell, They both spell fear. I love it. This is awesome. Oh, faith also can be made into an acrostic. And faith can spell full assurance in trusting him. Now, that trumps fear. Right. <laughs> okay. So in all... Uh, the biggest mistake the law of attraction uh, teachers and practitioners uh, make, as we have seen uh, all throughout the, the beginning of this uh, podcast, it has to do with ego. And, and when I'm talking about ego here, I'm not talking about uh, over over uh, too much pride. No, 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 no. I'm talking about ego that spells edging God out. Edging God out spells ego. And that is the biggest problem with uh, many law of attraction practitioners because the law itself is, is, is not good or bad. It's actually good, but the teaching of it uh, is sometimes very, very bad and, and can lead a lot of people away from God. So this law of attraction, like all the other laws that were set in motion by our Creator, is fearfully and wonderfully made. It may benefit all, but believers have an advantage in understanding it better and enjoying it because they know where it came from. They know the source, which is God, right? So believers know, worship, and love the source of the law of attraction, which is God the Father. As we've seen, the source is not the universe, which is completely absurd, sorry. By understanding and knowing the source, you can understand the rules by which the Creator order operates. So the big question is, and that big question is the title, basically, of our two-part series, is the law of attraction for Christians? Is it for Christians? And the answer is yes, absolutely, when rightfully understood and applied. Remember the first episode I said that uh, John Paul Jackson said that we uh, New Agers took our rainbow. It is our rainbow. I mean, it's such a wonderful thing that God has given to our, our at our disposal. Uh, that we can use in our lives to 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 manifest His glory. Mm -hmm. So they took our rainbow and they ran with it. And all, all this time we just stood there and watched them go. And then whenever someone would mention the law of attraction, we'd be like, oh, that's new age. I'm not touching that. That's new age. Come on. Hey, let's take it back. Let's take, take back what the enemy has stolen, right? Exactly. So like, like everything created... It was made for our benefit and enjoyment within certain boundaries, okay? Just like sex, nutrition, or gardening, the law of attraction has certain applicable rules that are attached to it by God in order to maximize its efficiency and glorify your Father in heaven. 
For example, sex was made to be enjoyed within the boundaries of marriage. That's how God made it. Same thing with uh, eating great meals. Eating great food is very pleasurable within the boundaries of moderation and proper nutrition. Okay? So there are rules attached to blessings. Okay? So in the same way, there are rules by which the law of attraction is governed and how it can bear much fruit in your life. And we're going to go through those four rules. There are four universal rules, by the way, okay, for everybody. Exactly. So the first rule is you must have pure motives. So for the believer, pure motives are crucial. Just as James warns us, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So you have to ask yourself, why do you ask for what you ask? Okay, so what are your motives for asking this? For example, when you ask for money, is it to indulge in buying the car of your dreams or is it to pay for your mortgage, for, for example? We're giving, we're giving extremes here, but I just like we're trying to put everything into perspective, right? Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with buying the car of your dreams if you're a multimillionaire because it's not going to weigh heavily on your finances. But if you're just someone who makes, I don't know, six figures, and buying the car of your dreams might put your family in a more precarious situation, well, you gotta question it as, is this wise, is this good, is this the right decision? Exactly, so um, for an example could be, you know, that you wanna book a five-star five exotic trip to your dream destination, um, you know, instead of maybe God, God is asking you to fund a missionary trip for yourself or for others, or, you know, maybe it's taking your family on vacation, a much needed vacation, um, you know, yeah. you're going to have to look at what your motives are and see if they're pure or not, depending on what you're living, what are your financial circumstances. Exactly. So it's a question of being wise as well with your money. So, you know, are you wanting more money just to be super wealthy and have more security in the bank? Or is it to help fund your business, your vision, pay for marketing, uh, help your ministry, you know? Mm. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's a lot of prosperity gospel people out there. I won't say names, but, you know, some are buying jets and trying to convince their audience that they need another jet. That it's a necessary thing. yeah. And, you know, that the, it has to be bigger and better and this than the previous one that they had, because then they can go to more places. Yeah. Uh, faster, faster and for the sake of the gospel. <laughs> for the sake of the gospel, like seriously, like Jesus was walking in sandals for goodness' sake, and sand for like, you know, to to give the gospel. Like, and if and let's if, not go to the other extreme. And let's be honest, if ever, if let's say, if ever God really wanted you to have that jet, okay, guess what? You want to need to ask your followers for their money. God will just pour it on their heart, and the money's going to start pouring in, and you'll know it's just for that. And I'm just. I'm using that example as an extreme here because I don't think that's ever going to happen. But, <laughs> but let's, just, let's just for the sake of, of, of using that illustration, right? If it was really, really God's will, guess what? You won't have to utter a word. He's going to provide. Did you know that uh, when Billy Graham needed to speak when the September 11 crisis happened, he was flown by a jet by the government 
to yeah. uh, give give that talk. That's how important they felt. Uh, Air Force One, I think I was. Yeah, he didn't even have his own jet, and he's Billy Graham for goodness sake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, exactly. I think he didn't have his own jet because he's Billy Graham. Right? <laughs> that says a lot about the man, right? Well, yeah, you know. So, like, I'm not saying you shouldn't get a jet if it helps you go places faster. I'm just saying, like, don't bother don't, people with that. Don't bother your <laughs> audience. You know, your your fo- your followers that come to you for a sound teaching at church to fund your goodies you know it's not it's like it. write more books if you want to find jets <laughs> you know i don't know anyway that's yeah, just my I, opinion when i saw that it was just i was just appalled i couldn't believe how some prosperity prosperity gospel teachers basically how dare they really uh, abuse of god's people in such a way yeah, so we're let's be we're, clear. We're taking let's that. be clear. We're not against people, you know, having prosperity because oh, we no. believe that, you know, if if you do apply the law of attraction, grow your business to a level that you're able to bless a lot of other people, then so be it. Do it. But do you understand the difference here? Like, there's, you know, almost pleading with people to pay for your your fun toys if you want. Um, I just think it's ridiculous. But anyway. Buy your own freaking jet. That's what we're saying. <laughs> Leave the people of God out of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you may be questioning, um, are your motives pure, right? You may, you know, not be so sure about your uh, motives. Maybe it's unclear. So you can do like David and pray the following prayer in Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there may be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes it's, it's not clear cut. I mean, sometimes there's, there are things that are in gray zones and um, we're not quite sure if it's good or bad. And sometimes it is neutral. Sometimes you're going to purchase stuff that's just neutral. But other times it's going to put a strain on your finances or you're going to ask for something that's just it's just from the wrong perspective, the wrong motive. And and uh, you want to be aligned with God's will, basically. And I think that's a great prayer there. So the number two rule for applying the law of attraction in your life is to have an absence of fear. Okay. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, it says, stir up the gift of God, which is in you. And a little later it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So Paul is speaking to Timothy and he's encouraging him to not be afraid to stir up his gift, to basically run with his gift, use your gift and, and, and go for it. Uh, because sometimes we're scared. I mean, we, we just we have things to do. There's, uh, we know we, there's a responsibility attached to our talents, abilities and gifts. And uh, doing it might be scary. So go for it. Don't be, don't be afraid. Uh, at Thriving on Purpose, we make a big case of how the believer should use his gifts, talents, and natural abilities for the glory of God. But sometimes, for a believer, to do this is not a lack of opportunity that is missing, but it is fear that is paralyzing. Remember, Analyze equals paralyze. And sometimes we're going to overanalyze a situation because we're just so scared. So we're just going to, oh, oh but I didn't, I didn't fully understand it yet. I was, what we're doing was just buying time because we don't want to do it. We're just so scared. So we say, oh, I don't have this yet. Or, you just overanalyze. You just, so basically you're paralyzing yourself. And guess what? God is never glorified when we are paralyzed in fear. There are hundreds of Bible passages that tell us to fear not. 
and I've said it before, the law of attraction is made null and void by fear. It is, however, fueled by action. So here's something to remember, okay? Action gives traction to the law of attraction. Isn't that a nifty little saying here? Huh? I came up with it. Okay, <laughs> so I'll repeat it. It's really cool. Action gives traction to the law of attraction. So as a believer, when you apply the law of attraction, it should bring you to boldly, like Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift which is in you through action without fear. And this action, uh, an absence of fear, should be accompanied by, number three, a strong conviction of faith. Once you've asked and done what you are required to do, it's up to God. Now, that's the part where we get to see the mighty work of his hand in exchange for a mustard seed of faith. Just a wee bit of elbow grease. That's the exciting part. Yeah, and I just want to add to this. Um, I hear a lot of uh, preachers talking about praying and waiting and praying and waiting, but they're never talking about the action part of this. Yeah, faith has legs. And, yeah, exactly. So this is very important. You know, Once you have done everything that God required you to do, and you've prayed and you've applied some action, then it is up to God to to fulfill His promise. But it's not the other way around. It's not, you know, in, some, in a lot of cases, we do have to apply action. We can't just pray and wait. Mm, amen to that. Uh, on our wall at home, we hung the, the words, expect a miracle. We see that very boldly on our wall. And every day we're, when we see it, we're reminded to have that attitude of expectancy towards God. Expect a miracle. That's how the believer should live every day. We should always be excited, thinking, boy, I wonder what God's going to do today. You know? And, and, and for, most, for most believers, that's not how they think, right? It's more like, well, I wonder what's going to happen today. I hope it's not as bad as yesterday. I hated <laughs> my day yesterday. Oh, another day, another day, another dollar. <laughs> Yeah, it really is like psychologically uh, reminds you. It's a really good reminder and to, to post that a bit everywhere, like, you know, everywhere that you, you go regularly in your house because it will give you that positive sense that, you know, God is going to do something great in my day today. Yeah, he's looking for that. It, you he's know? looking for opportunities to bless us, right? I mean, you got to think that. You got to think positive, like they say. But, so tell me something. When you wake up in the morning, what do you expect? A day of drudgery? Or a day of excitement, wonder, and yes, even miracles. Mm -hmm. Einstein is quoted as saying, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. And the other is as though everything is. And guess which way favors the law of attraction, right? Obviously, it's the way that expects the miracles. There's a story told in the scriptures in chapter 3 of 2 Kings. It's a fascinating story where we find the three kings of Israel, Judah and Edom, joining forces to fight a war they thought they could easily win. But things didn't go quite as planned. So, the kings, being a predicament, turn to the prophet Elisha for help. And the answer Elisha gives the kings is not what they expected. Elisha tells them to go and dig ditches and that God will fill the ditches with water, which will nourish the troops and their cattle. If they do this, Elisha tells the, the three kings that God will deliver Moab into their hands. So, 
The kings probably found Elisha's request a bit ridiculous, but they believed in God's promise and they did as they were told. Now, this is a story that's all about faith. See, only God can send the water, but He wants you to dig the ditches, okay, as a, as a sign, as a step of faith. So, if you want to see some quote-unquote water in your life, then you got to dig those ditches. Real faith believes big, but you must be willing to start small, to dig your ditches and prepare to receive God's provision. Many people make the mistake of not thinking big enough. That's one thing. But even more make the mistake of not being willing to start small. You need to be willing to dig your ditches. Digging your ditches is you having faith that God's going to provide and thus preparing for God's provision. So how do you quote-unquote dig a ditch? Well, you take your quote-unquote shovel, which is faith, and you hit the ground one quote-unquote shovel load or step, if you will, at a time. You can't expect God to give you big things if you're not willing to do the small things. Okay, so for example, digging your ditches, okay, that may mean if you're praying for a new house, digging your ditches may mean to start packing ahead of time as a step of faith that God's going to provide you with that new house. Or it might also mean uh, buying specific decorative items for this new house, okay? That's also a step of faith. Uh, another example, if you're a woman, it applies for both sexes, by the way, but I'm going to take for, for the, the, the woman uh, as an example. If you're a woman praying to find a mate, digging your ditches may mean to purchase your wedding dress ahead of time. I know it sounds extreme, but extraordinary faith always gets rewarded. Okay, There's a story of a single woman uh, who was told by a, a pastor once. She hung a pair of men's trousers at the foot of her bed. And every night, she would ask God, God, please fill these trousers with a man for me. <laughs> but guess what? It worked. She married a good and godly man, and she happily married. So, you know, God honors even our most ridiculous faith if it's well-placed and the intention is pure and good, right. and if it aligns with His will. Mm -hmm. uh, for another example, maybe you're very sick. Maybe you're ill. Uh, and maybe you've been praying for healing. Well, that is extreme. I mean, but, but some people have been known to be healed in ways that were miraculous. They were very sick and they decided, you know what? In two weeks from now, I know I'm going to be well. I know God's going to heal me. And I'm going to book a trip. The, that trip I wanted to, I was delaying for because I was sick. I'm going to book it because I know I'll be well in two weeks. And for some people, that was rewarded with them being healed. And I'm not saying if you're sick to do that, because I don't want to be sued, okay? It doesn't work. <laughs> but that's an example. I'm just giving you an example of what digging those ditches might mean for, for different individuals. And I hope this is really encouraging you, because uh, I think this is, this is what the vision you should have as a believer uh, when you uh, have mustard seed faith. Well, there's, there's the action behind it. Yeah, and you'll feel God leading you to do such, such you a will, thing. You will feel the leading, yes. So believe big, start small. Put your faith in action by digging some ditches. So what's a big vision you have that you need God's help for in accomplishing? You know, what small ditches might you need to dig 
to begin the process of attracting this blessing. Think about that. Yeah. So the fourth rule is to live love in action. So if there is one word that has been misused and abused in the English language, it is love. In the New Testament, the word love is also translated as charity. I like this word and its implication better. You see, for the believer, love is not a feeling. It is an attitude and an action. Charity implies that. I once heard a preacher say these simple words, When you walk in love, you do not sin. So you see, walking in love enables us to live charitably. Charity is where the rubber meets the road for the believer. Walking in love is how you become a river, not a reservoir. So again in James 2, 15 to 17, we read, Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, not accompanied by action, is dead. Mm. So if you apply faith by itself and it has no action accompanied by it, it's dead. Yeah, love needs to be, it's an active verb, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I like the verse in in James that you just read. I mean, you see someone shivering because they're cold or, or, or... being hungry if you tell them i'm sending you positive thoughts that's not going to do much for them right so yeah yeah, it's really it's really about uh, action love is about action i mean walking in love enables your faith to walk love looks at faith and says get up and walk it reminds me of something funny that i did um in um when i was studying years ago to be a hairdresser um there was this one guy in our training in our group he was um, very, very dramatic and uh, a very weird kind of character kind of person. And um, he, would, he would buy all kinds of clothes and he had this uh, warm coat uh, that he said, you know what, I don't want this coat. I just don't need it anymore. He was like doing this drama scene in the classroom. And I had remembered this girl that uh, was shivering um, near the metro. She was outside of the metro. She was asking for money. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked the, the guy, I said, you sure you don't want this code? You're like positive you don't want this code? He's like, no, I don't want this code. I'm going to buy myself a nicer code. And he actually bought himself <laughs> this weird coat with like tons of fake fur around were, his were, head. Were there feathers on his coat? <laughs> no, there was this fake fur. <laughs> it looked so girly. I mean, it was so weird, that coat. But anyway, I didn't care. I was just like thinking of the girl shivering, yeah. you know, near the metro where I'd pass every day to go to my course. And I... I I made sure he didn't want it anymore and I actually went and I brought it to that girl and she was so happy. She actually looked at me and said, are you sure? Like, you sure you're giving me this coat? Like, she yeah. thought it was like so weird, you know? And, uh, but she was happy obviously and very grateful. So, you know, like, that's that's the, an example of love in action. There you, know? you go. And, and and it's great that it's your, your personal story. I love that. Uh, I had forgotten you had done that but now that you say, I remember that story. It was like over 10 years ago probably. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and you know, there's so many ways that we can be creative as in, as Christian entrepreneurs to apply charity and, and show love in this manner. Um, so the miraculous can be enjoyed and experienced fully, provided we walk in love, which translates as charity. So the Bible says the following about those who charitably give their time, money, and possessions. So in Proverbs 11.25, we read, 
A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. In Luke 6, 38, it says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So be willfully and intentional about being charitable and generous with your praise, with your money, with your time, and you will receive not only a plentiful harvest on earth, but a treasure in heaven. So let's remember, as Christian entrepreneurs, we're not only building um, you know, our business on earth, we're also building a, a kingdom for God. Mm. And a lot of what we do on earth are tests of faith and things that God is prepping us to uh, eventually uh, be in God's presence and, and work for Him, right? Mm-hmm. So let's not forget that. So don't forget, as stated by the law of attraction, like attracts like. So give abundantly and it shall be given to you. Forgive and it shall be forgiven you. Refresh others and you will be refreshed. Yes, that's all good stuff. So true. Uh, I love that verse in Luke. As we reach the end of uh, this podcast, uh, we're going to have to, to, to kind of do a synthesis of everything we spoke of in the first and those two um, those two episodes. For the secular proponents of the law of attraction, happiness is their driving force. Okay, They believe in their entitlement to happiness, and therefore they practice the law of attraction mostly to that end. They want happiness above all. And, and let's be honest, all of us want to be happy, okay? But for the believer, it's not about that, okay? For the believer, it is so much more than just your own happiness. Does God want you to experience happiness, abundance, and joy? Of course He does. Yes, absolutely. He is a good Father. However, as you know, that is not the main reason for you being here on this earthly voyage. Right, Liz? Exactly. So let's remind ourselves that this life is a test. So as believers, we are called to be salt and light. We are to be beacons of hope and faith for many. Okay, so that should be our main focus. Don't forget the words of Dwight L. Moody that said it so well. Out of a hundred men, one will read the Bible. The other 99 will read the Christian And I love that. I love that quote because it's so true. That's exactly the way it is. So God may at times make us shine through our abundance and generosity. And at times he may choose to make us shine in times of lack when others see our unwavering faith and perseverance through hard times. You know, when uh, I lost my mom when I was uh, 16, All my friends were really surprised that I kept on going to church on Friday nights. I was part of a youth group and I just kept on holding on to my faith and to God. And some, you know, even told me, I thought you would have flushed that. I thought you wouldn't go to church anymore after what happened because Mm -hmm. I know you believed 100% that your mom was going to get healed and she wasn't. And uh, she died of cancer. So, you know, people don't you know and they heard me talk about God they heard me talk about my faith but what stood out to them was how I was acting in times of trials and hardships right so that's why I believe in this you know you can hit people over the head with your bible and tell them a million bible verses and act all you know Christian and 
all cute and religious all you want, but people will see the things that you don't necessarily want to show them mm -hmm. or that you're living through or the ups and downs of your Christian walk. And that's why it's so important to stay strong in God's faith. A lot of people, when they know you're a Christian, they want to see if you're also human. Yeah. And when you live humanly and when you show your vulnerable side and yet keep your faith, for them that speaks volumes. Exactly. They want to see, you know, what has more of an impact is not the verbiage you use, but mostly the way you live your, your faith. So how do you walk with God, you know? And if you really are not religious and you really have, you know, God at the center of your life and you have a personal relationship, that will just shine through. Mm -hmm. And that's what people are going to, you know, be drawn to and see you as a light, right? So just as Christ, our leader, has come to serve, so are we to be servant leaders to our fellow man. So our motives must be honorable and pure. Our courage must be unstoppable. Our faith must be obvious, and our love must be poured out. That, that sums up the four rules right there. The motives, the courage, the faith, and the love, right? And I love that. This is awesome. Any believer who lives this way will inevitably testify that the law of attraction works. And the funny thing is, so many believers throughout history have lived that way. They never called it the law of attraction, you know, they, they called it different ways, they called it different things, providence, miracles, prayers answered, but it's all the same. It works, <laughs> you know, even if, and it's funny because I know great men of faith today who are living testimonies to how the law of attraction works. But you would tell them, hey, you're practicing the law of attraction. You go like, what? The, pra the what? <laughs> they wouldn't even know about Because for them, it's just faith and action. It's just normal, yeah. Faith and action, right? The kingdom of God operates on principles found within the law of attraction where we attract what we become. So we must become what we want to attract. We must become more to attract more. Here's a few examples. We must become forgiving and attract forgiveness. Believe in God's riches for you and experience abundance. Be charitable and receive charity. Expect miracles and experience miracles. Be loving and experience love. Abound in thanksgiving and you will receive more to be thankful for. Manage well, and you will be given more to manage. This is the way God's kingdom economy works. Okay? This is a very important lesson here. John Paul Jackson, in his teaching on the law of attraction, said that God always fills the voids that come from our giving. God will fill the voids in our lives as we give. God will never leave you empty. He will replace everything you give away or lose. The law of attraction in God's kingdom economy also fills us up with more of what we give out. If He asks you to put something down, give something up, or provide something for others, it is because he wants you to pick up something greater in the process. Never forget that. 
In Luke chapter 18, verses 28 to 30, we read, Then Peter said, See, we have left all and followed you. And, and just to put you in context, this was after Jesus spoke to the rich young ruler and said his famous line that it is harder for a rich man to, go, uh, to, to enter heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. So Peter, after that, said, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. The law of attraction is a law of abundance, and the God who created it is a God of riches and abundance as well who rewards those who give and those who have faith. For the believer, this is a glorious expectation. So here's my blessing to you people listening to this. May you always glorify God when you experience the blessings brought to you by God's law of attraction. Amen. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, we hope you'll share this episode with your friends and your uh, Christian believer friends as well, because I think that as Christian entrepreneurs and as Christians, even if you're not an entrepreneur, um, we all have, you know, questioned uh, the secret and we've, you know, seen the phenomenon and how so many people are led astray through uh, these teachings. So share this podcast with those that you love because it will give them more insight. And, uh, you know, you may have friends that are new agers and it might shed some light in how the missing pieces of the puzzles do fit in the Christian world, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to um, do a, an ebook so that'll be easy for you guys to give to people and share as well because there's a lot of content here and um, it could be a really good tool to, uh, you know, evangelize and to talk to people. Um, or for church that, Bible study. Exactly, for yeah. church Bible studies as well. Maybe some of you are ch uh, church leaders and uh, you have a lot of people questioning uh, the law of attraction and it could be you know like even with the youth ministries a lot of uh, a lot of youth a lot of young people now are entrepreneurs and it's you know growing and growing and growing mm -hmm. and a lot of young christian entrepreneurs do not know um, you know they may start dabbling into stuff that they shouldn't because um, or use it wrong because they don't know better. Yeah. So it, it's, you know, it's kind of dangerous. And that's why we wanted to do this teaching because we know that there's a lot of false teachers out there. And when you, you know, grow into personal development and you start listening to different people, you really have to... Um, Chew the grass and spit out the hay. Yeah, exactly. And it's hard for some people to know what's good and what isn't, right? So yeah. that's why we felt led to do this podcast and this teaching and we'll be doing... Uh, that ebook for you guys to share. Yeah, and we and we feel we really presented a very balanced view here, uh, and which was our, our goal from the beginning. I want I really wanted to take uh, the good, the bad, and and really sift through it and 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 see what applies and what works within uh, uh, the lives of believers. And I think we did a pretty good job of that in those two episodes. So uh, I know it's going to be a blessing. I mean, already the feedback for the, from the first episode is awesome. Uh, so we know that this is going to be a, a series for the ages. <laughs> right. And, um, and also, we'd love to hear your feedback. Um, you can 
go on iTunes on our podcast Thriving on Purpose and leave some comments of how you uh, are are viewing the show, how you're blessed by it, and uh, we'd love to to hear your reviews on on what we've been doing so far. You can also go to thrivingonpurposepodcast.com to see our other podcasts. They're all there on our website. And you can also sign up to get the latest episodes sent straight to your inbox. So if you're a busy entrepreneur and uh, you don't always have time to keep up with uh, what's going on on iTunes or whatever, you'll get it in your inbox and your emails. So be blessed. And thrive on. Thanks for listening to the Thriving on Purpose podcast. Be sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com to access the show notes and to discover more fantastic content. Until next time, be blessed and may you thrive on purpose.